You're listening to Make Your Way, and this is a between episode. Welcome to Make Your Way, where we explore what it means to work and create on your own terms. Along with every episode, we post links to resources mentioned in the episode, along with a full transcript. You can find these materials at drkatylinder.com backslash MYW. Sarah Langworthy. Katie Linder. How it's been, been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. And I, I should tell our listeners that Sarah and I have been doing some relatively consistent catching up, you know, during this period, but it has been a long time since we have sat down in front of our microphones. And so let's update our our dear listeners about 2020 and our businesses and what's been going on. And we can talk a little bit about the future of Make Your Way as we kind of get into this. Um, but let me kind of preface this listeners by saying Sarah and I decided to do kind of an update episode. This is not the start of a new season and you will soon hear why we cannot kind of fit another season into our schedules right now. Um, but we are not planning on kind of shutting down the show. We just cannot produce a a season right now and, and may not be able to until like 2021. That said, we know you're really interested in what's going on in our lives and businesses. (laughs) And so we thought, Hey, let's do an update. So Sarah, tell us kind of what's been going on for you since COVID started. Cause I feel like our last season released like just before before, that in the before times, as I like to call them Uh, times, the before times. Oh yeah. The before times. Uh, yeah, things, um, it, it's been a whirlwind like it is for everybody, right? I want to acknowledge that, that like this, <laughs> this year has not gone the way that we all anticipated it would. Um, and you were still, so hopeful at the beginning of 2020. I know, right? I was like, you guys, this year it's going to be different. And then, you know, it was different just in a different way. Uh, <laughs> and not a bad way necessarily, but, um, I think for me, the, the, main takeaway, um, and, and as we, you know, dive into some of these topics a little bit more, you'll hear some of the details of this, but the main takeaway for me has really been about, um, you know, kind of the reminder that you make plans and then the universe laughs at them <laughs> and then you have to make more plans and the universe will probably continue to laugh at them. Um, but that, that you have to be flexible and you have to be, um, kind of able to figure out something new, um, and a new direction that makes sense on the fly. And sometimes that works really well. And sometimes it doesn't. So, um, for all of you out there who are just kind of in the middle of this going, like, I'm trying to keep my head above water. Yep. Totally hear you. And there is a lot of that going around. Um, and I think we all have periods of that, you know, if we're not living in it current, you know, constantly of just like, how is this going to, how are we even going to get through this? But um, for me, at least figuring out how to be flexible again, again, and again, and again, (laughs) um, is is sort of the hallmark of this time. And also just kind of owning a business in general. Um, But that constant reminder of plans are plans are funny. (laughs) Plans are cute. They are. They are. Well, okay. So Sarah, I feel like you're talking about this in kind of broad terms. Yeah. But COVID has opened up like this whole new area for your business. And it has. you and I have had some discussions where we're like, what is happening? Because we've seen, <laughs> we have seen so many people through social media and various other things who are really struggling right now through COVID. Yeah. A lot of brick and mortar businesses, as I'm sure everybody is well aware, have really struggled. Um, Sarah and I are not brick and mortar businesses. We, we can operate, you know, virtually. And we have both seen 
pretty massive growth um, yeah. in our businesses during this period, which is honestly a little bit weird um, yeah. and feels kind of odd and, and a little bit difficult um, just from the perspective of being in the context of watching other people struggling and, and we're not necessarily struggling. I mean, we're maybe right. in certain ways, but you know, in terms of revenue and things like that, mm -hmm. this has actually been a, a growth period for both of us. Tell us a little bit about what has happened in your business during this period. And we're going to dig into this a little bit deeper in this episode, but I want to give people just kind yeah. of a, an introduction <laughs> to what, what, what is going on with your business. Yeah. So um, as, as longtime listeners will know, um, I have been kind of working in this area of consulting and video production and, uh, you know, digital engagement and those sorts of areas um, for several years now in, in a variety of different content areas, um, but primarily sort of in the early childhood world. In the beginning of 2020, I was like, you know what, I can't continue to work in that uh, area for a variety of reasons, some of them personal and some of them just you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really exciting me in the same ways anymore. And so I had shifted to thinking about doing um, more of the video production and consulting more full, full time. I had developed a whole video your way series, which I was launching and then COVID happened. Um, but that actually positioned me in a really interesting way. So, um, you know, some listeners may not know, I am a choral singer. I have been singing in choirs my whole life. Uh, I sing with a choir here in the Twin Cities. And um, one of the big casualties of COVID has been choral organizations because people cannot gather and sing. Um, early on, it was believed that singing would be a super spreader event um, because you are expelling particles from your, you know, from your airwaves. Uh, Can I just pause and say, like, are we living in a science fiction movie when right? we're talking about super spreader events? Like, super I just, I, I feel like it's we've so kind weird. of accepted these things and I'm still right. kind of in this mode of like, is this really the life what? we're living right now? And, and it is, and I'm trying to accept it, but. Yeah, it's, it's real weird. It's true. <sighs> Very um, weird. So, so yeah, so choral organizations were like overnight hit with this. We can't perform. We can't rehearse. We can't do anything in group settings. And so everybody was sent scrambling to try to figure out how do you survive in a pandemic that is going to last for an indeterminate length of time where you're not going to be able to gather for a very long time and the only option available to you is virtual. And so I, early in the pandemic, I, you know, I kind of was listening and, and knew that there were organizations kind of struggling with this. One of my long time clients um, who I was preparing a, a, you know, a video for their upcoming fundraising gala was like, okay, we have to move any, everything online. How do we do that? And I was like, Hey, I can help with that. That that's a thing I know how to do. I've been living in virtual spaces for years now <laughs> and working in those spaces. Um, and so I pivoted pretty quickly to the area of um, producing virtual choirs, virtual ensembles. So all of those, you know, viral videos you see of people singing with their headphones in and kind of kind of sort of singing together, but not really. Uh, <laughs> everybody's recording their their parts separately, and then it's all put together um, on the back end by a producer. I was like, oh, I could do that. Like, I know, I know how to how to edit, and I also am a singer, so I know what it's supposed to sound like. I, you know, I know I know choral music well enough, and so um, kind of early in, I jumped into that, and I jumped into sort of doing some presentations and some, um, you know, online virtual events and things to uh, help people learn about how to do those things um, and how to think about how do you plan a season when you have no idea the next time you're going to gather and 
what does a, a well-produced um, online virtual fundraising event look like? Or how do you think about ticketing when um, you're producing your virtual program? So all of those kinds of um, questions and things, I was really well-suited to answer and sort of help in those conversations. And so it sort of was a right time, right place kind of situation, which as Katie, you mentioned, feels really weird to say in the middle of a pandemic. Like it's, it's a very weird place, but I'm also very grateful to be able to help a lot of organizations that are struggling right now and trying to figure out a way forward. Um, so, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out how to do that business in a way that is ethical and in a way that feels, you know, appropriate to me, given the context that everybody's living in. Um, but also recognizing that I'm bringing a lot of value here and, and that there is, there is something I can do um, to help in this small way um, for organizations who are struggling. So that's kind of where I've landed. Uh, I told Katie before we hit record, my calendar for the rest of the fall and holiday season is completely full, <laughs> which is not too great and terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of, well, I mean, take this the way in which it's intended, Sarah, but this is like the weirdest niche that yeah. I've ever heard of. And when you first <laughs> told me about this, I was like, of course, it's like perfect for you. And I was like, this is so weird that you're it's like so able weird. to like step into this very strange, but this is really what, um, I was talking about this with my partner the other day. And he was like, how are you finding these like weird niches of people? And I'm like, this is what you do. I mean, you find these like odd little niches that you fit into for whatever yeah. reason, and you just slot yourself in and you create a product or service. And all of a sudden, like you have this ready-made audience for it because they, there's no one else who's kind of doing that work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been very weird and great. And I've gotten to, to meet some wonderful people and work with people I never would have gotten to work with. Like one of my favorite people to work with now is in Albuquerque. I, there's no reason our, our lives would have crossed paths had this not happened. And so I'm really grateful for those opportunities to kind of connect with people I wouldn't have otherwise um, and meet some really incredible musicians and, and others who are just trying to like get good art into the world in the ways that make sense right now. And we all need some good art. So yeah. But Katie, tell us what's happened to you, with you since the before times. Yeah, before. what's happened to you? What's happened with <laughs> to, you? What's going on here? With, <laughs> so, <laughs> as our listeners left us in last season, I think they were, I honestly haven't, I should have gone back and looked at what we talked about last season. And I did not. I mean, listeners, this is where we are. We're flying by the seat of our pants a little bit. Yep. Um, but I, um, as our listeners may know, started a new job in Kansas. I had moved to Kansas in early January, started my new job in early February, was in that job for about six weeks, and then um, COVID hit and we all went remote. And so um, that, because I work with an online learning organization with Kansas State University, I will just leave it to the imaginations of the people who are listening of all the things that had to be done um, to shift our institution to remote in the spring. And then as we had to consider what that would look like, you know, into the summer, into the fall, and, and that work continues. Um, I was like, why, whose phone is buzzing? What's going on? It's my phone. Like, my phone is me. buzzing. Okay. So yes, <laughs> fixing that. Sorry. Um, so the, the transition in my job um, to remote was kind of one transition and then kind of hot off the presses. I haven't really talked about this publicly last week and this week, I actually just transitioned into a different leadership role where instead of overseeing one team, I'm overseeing four teams. And um, that was definitely in kind of response to some of the, the stuff that's been going on. So my actual job job has been shifting, changing, really kind of keeping me 
engaged in a lot of different things, some of which I was hired for, some of which I honestly wasn't um, because I, they just needed me to do things. And so I did. And the other thing that is probably um, maybe a little bit obvious to our listeners who are in the higher ed environment is there's a lot of online stuff going on right now. There's also a lot of blended stuff going on right now. May I remind you that four years ago, I published a book on blended course design. <laughs> so that was a thing. Um, and I started getting a lot of people contacting me. So very similar to you, Sarah, it's like I had a little weird niche and all these people kind of started reaching out. And so in May, I kind of put my head down and created a new product called Blend by Design. Um, very similar in some ways to Sotal by Design in terms of structure, which is, um, I think we talked about that in season three where we built our products. And so that launched in June. And, and really the purpose of that was to try to head off all of these one-off requests because I was getting requests to do a lot of virtual speaking, workshops, uh, retreats for people around this. And I just could not do them um, because I have a full-time job and it was like, I can't do this. And I really felt like in some ways coming to kind of the ethical point that you raised, Sarah, I would be like abandoning my own institution to go do all this stuff for other institutions. And I just didn't feel comfortable with that. So I, I built this course um, and from kind of a business perspective, it is my highest price product at this point. I do have an kind of open institutional licensing option that's unlimited for $30,000. Uh, within the first week, an institution purchased that. I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, it just blows your mind. I mean, yeah. it just blows your mind that you can spend a month creating a thing, i.e. six years of your life learning about content and then creating a thing. I mean, it's it's not just a month, but, um, and then, you know, we've been selling that um, in the summer. So that was kind of an interesting uh, unforeseen thing that happened in my business this year that we were not expecting to build that product and then we did. Um, and I have also been doing some virtual speaking, but I really kind of pivoted toward topics away from technology, which is kind of interesting toward like resilience, mm -hmm. uh, self-care, more coachy stuff. Um, and so I've been really been hired to do quite a bit of that. Um, and that's actually been really enjoyable because I really like bringing that coaching part into my keynoting. Um, so that happened. Coach training has been going great. Like everything's been filling, which has been surprising. I, I think mm -hmm. we weren't sure how the pandemic would affect discretionary income. And so my June coach training cohort did fill my summer writing group did fill, you know, like there's, there's these programs that we're running that are filling. Um, and my partner keeps saying, well, it's just cause everyone's stuck at home. <laughs> and so once the pandemic's done, you know, nobody's going to sign up for this stuff anymore. And I'm like, okay, fine. Like maybe so, <laughs> but for now we're busy, you know, like running these programs and, and there's quite a bit going on there. Um, and then just because I'm me and I needed some extra things in my life, I decided to take a yoga teacher training, um, which started in June and wraps up September, end of September. And as we record, this is kind of early September. I'm not sure when this will release. Um, so I'm still in the midst of that. And then I also decided um, in preparation for a possible new product I want to create in 2021 on project management, I decided to get my PMP credential, which is a project management professional um, credential, and it's an exam that you sit for. And so I'll sit for that in late November. So it's been a, a weird mix of like random, just like random <laughs> stuff at work, <laughs> random, some random stuff in the business. I mean, some of this has been very planful. The coach training is just being executed in the way that I originally thought it would. So, so that's not feeling random. Um, but I'm, I am taking on a lot of new coaching clients. Um, there are a lot of people, um, as you can imagine, who are just 
trying to think through transitions, mm -hmm. realizing that their life is not the way they want it to be. I mean, like COVID has really just opened that up, you know, for a lot of people. So that's been really kind of interesting to engage with. Um, on the personal side, I now have pigtails in my hair because my little <laughs> pixie has grown out. I haven't been able to get my hair cut. Um, so that's happened. And, you know, very identity shifting to be able to <laughs> grow your hair out over time. Um, so, I, yeah, I think that's the big stuff of kind of what's been going on with me and the business of, over these past six months or so. That's a lot. Yeah. It, <sighs> it, no, yeah. 2020. <laughs> Here we are. I mean, 2020. 2020. I, I just... <sighs> Yeah. And the fall is going to be so interesting too. So, okay. So Sarah and I have kind of a series of topics that we thought we would kind of run through and just give some commentary on as a way to kind of give additional like details, flavor to what we're talking about here in terms of some of these changes. So Sarah, one of the things that you and I have kind of talked about um, when we're not recording is this concept of how we felt like we'd kind of set ourselves up to pivot a little bit. And that we had some kind of helpful skills or things that were kind of already in our toolboxes that allowed us to kind of make some shifts like pretty immediately once we knew what was going on. And this was something that I feel like when I looked around and I saw like brick and mortars and other people, some people immediately were able to do this and, and they just kind of like it. And that's not to say it wasn't difficult or hard, but they like got into the mode of like, okay, what do I do now? Because I can't do this other thing. So let me kind of shift. And I feel like you kind of, were one of the people who were able to do this and what kind of helped you be set up for that? Like in terms of like the structure of your business or just your own kind of personality and skill set, what would you say was helpful for that? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I want to answer that question, but I also, I want to start with a, with an acknowledgement, which is that like everybody, everybody deals with the stress of this situation differently. And especially early on, I, I saw a lot of kind of different coping styles arriving mm -hmm. <laughs> on the scene. Um, and I don't think any, I want to say that I don't think any one of those is right. And I don't think any one of them is necessarily wrong either. It's just sort of how you, how you um, respond to stressful situations. I, which, uh, the, so one of the things that set me up for success, frankly, is the way that I respond to stressful situations is to, pour myself into my work because that feels like a thing I can control when everything else is chaos. Yeah. Help, healthy so, or not, this is kind of how not. you respond. <laughs> this is how, you know, there have been significant downsides to that too over the years and even this year. So like, I, you know, I want to acknowledge that though I was able to sort of jump in and pivot very quickly, that's not, that's not to say that that is the only way or the best way to cope with a pandemic. <laughs> Let me just be clear. Um, <clears throat> so though I was able to kind of recognize where are the gaps going to be and where, um, you know, where do I see this kind of panning out if people aren't able to gather, especially in the coral world, like, you know, how does that, um, how does that fit? And then thinking about what are the skills I have now that I can apply to that situation? Um, you know, that was my stress response kicking in as <laughs> like, Hey, here's my coping mechanism. Um, I know for a lot of people, there was a period where it was just like, you got hit by a bus and you didn't know what to do. And I will say that for me personally, I think the only, one of the only reasons I was able to kind of jump and run with it as well is because of the several years prior, um, going through some really hard stuff personally. And, um, and I've gotten pretty good at rolling with the punches because of that extended practice of rolling with some punches. So, um, you know, I, I think in some ways that previous personal experience set me up to be kind of 
more able to, to weather that uh, in the moment, but also my stress response, you know, gets activated and I'm like, let's work hard because that seems like a good thing to do. Um, so, you know, I think Katie, to answer your question, a few of the sort of tangible things that set me up for that um, were like, I knew how to, uh, you know, edit my website very, very quickly. And one of the best sort of uh, things that I had done just before the pandemic, just because I had planned on doing it was uh, revamping my website. So I had done a complete overhaul of it a month or so before the pandemic uh, hit in preparation for Video Your Way and some of those other other um, things that I was working on. And so when it hit, I, I was very well versed in like, oh, here's how I need to redesign this and here's how I make it searchable and here, you know, here's how I provide content for people in a way that they're going to need it. Um, and so I think that helped not only for uh, kind of asserting that like, yes, I know what I'm talking about, even though this is an area that I'm kind of new to, too. Um, it also helped with things like search results. So, um, you know, I, I have really good SEO numbers suddenly <laughs> for the first time in my business, which is great. Um, but applying some of those, those really weird, like, niche technical skills about like, how do you present your business and how do you talk to your audience and how do you um, build trust and kind of create that space where you're like trying to be helpful, especially in this, in this period where um, a lot of businesses and places are, are looking for how do I help, you know, or, or how, how do I solve this problem? And so if you can provide some tangible, um, you know, advice or options or resources for how to solve a very particular problem in the middle of this pandemic, you're going to do okay. Like that, that was another thing too, is thinking about how do you help solve problems and, um, and also remaining uh, as positive as I could given the context, right? So um, providing choral organizations with some hope that like, this does not have to be the end of choral singing, right? There are ways to approach this that are um, different than you've ever done before. This is gonna push you outside of your comfort zone, but I'm, I'm here to help with that. And I'm here to tell you that like, there's gonna be some exciting stuff that's gonna come up for you if you kind of dive into this virtual world too. There are things that you can do in a virtual space that you can't in an in-person space um, and vice versa, but you know, this is what we have. So let's work with that. Um, so those kinds of things I think were, were helpful um, as I was thinking about how do I best be of service in this time? And also how do I make, you know, how do I uh, make my, my skills um, and knowledge um, relevant for people and useful for people in this time. So. Well, and if anyone is listening to this and you're like, oh my God, I'm like completely exhausted just listening to her talk about <laughs> SEO and building my website and doing all the things. And I, I'm, I'm kind of listening to some of this and I'm like, I couldn't have done that. I mean, like yeah. I just was not in a place to some of the more technical things. Like sure. I feel like I pivoted, but I also was coasting on an audience that I already had. I, I was letting word of mouth kind of market for me. I fell off of social media in a lot of ways. Um, and I really, and I think you did this too, just in a different way. We both kind of pivoted towards self-care of, yep. you know, what do we need to, to manage this? But I feel like the first six weeks of COVID, I was, I don't want to say barely functioning, but functioning at a way lower, uh, component of what I normally would. And I dialed it back. Like I, I could feel it happening and I was like, okay, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just powered down because yeah. I was physically exhausted. I was very stressed, very high anxiety, and I needed to be able to do my job. So it was like, okay, let me kind of funnel everything I have, you know, into my day job. 
And my, a lot of my clients on the side also felt that. So it's like my coaching hours, you know, just kind of dropped because people weren't scheduling. And then we all came back and then we all had this kind of moment where it was like, okay, we've kind of settled into this. The, the initial kind of shock of collective trauma is settling into us a little bit. And, and it doesn't mean we're okay, but we're, we're entering into a new phase. And I feel like that was when I had this moment where I was like, oh, blend by design. I mean, and, and it, that was my first kind of willingness to do almost anything creative yeah. was in like late April, early May, you know? Yeah. And so it took me a, and some people are going to be like, that didn't take you very long. Six weeks is not very long. I, I get that, you know, like we're all different and like, this is very relative to people. But for me, that's a long period of time to go without like any creative urges whatsoever. <laughs> to just yeah. be like, no, like powering down, not, not doing anything I don't have to do. I was, I, my whole morning routine shifted. I started sleeping in like, which mm-hmm. I have not done like as an adult. So, I mean, it was just, it was a very strange time, like physically to yeah. kind of deal with everything. And literally this week is the first time I've gotten back to my 5am morning routine, mm-hmm. which I mean, yeah. it's like that, it took me that long to kind of yeah. come back to a place where I felt like I had more control over yeah. that. And and that I wasn't like in desperate need of additional rest and recovery time. Well, so, one thing yeah. I'll one thing I'll say about that that was interesting as it was all happening um, from my perspective is is I recognize, as I said, like a couple of several different coping strategies, and there were a lot of my colleagues who were similar to you, Katie, where it was just like, whoa, okay, I need to process this. I need to sit with this. And there were others like me who were like, no, gotta put my head down, gotta do stuff. <laughs> gotta pretend that this isn't real. Uh, but I also knew that there was going to be a point at which I couldn't keep up that pace and keep up that sort of frantic work energy and that I was going to crash. And I also knew that the people who were processing on the front end were going to come out of that into creative spaces again. And, and, that that was going to overlap, right? That that was going to flip. And that totally happened for me. So kind of the period that you're talking about, like I was a little bit like, okay, can I not work for a little bit? That would be great. (laughs) So I kind of dialed back a little bit kind of in that early, early or like late spring, early summer period Mm -hmm. because I I knew I needed to, right? Like that, that's the thing about recognizing your coping strategies um, and acknowledging the positives and negatives about them, right? So I think we have a tendency in the society to glorify hard work at all costs, right? There were all those like social media posts about like, this is when to write a novel. And other people were like, what the heck is wrong with you? That was not a time to write a novel. (laughs) You know, it it takes different, you know, different personalities to make the world go. Um, But recognizing that for me, hard work, yes, is a coping strategy, but I also need to make space for that time when I know that it's going to fall off. And I know that like, I'm not going to be able to sustain this. And so, you know, taking time spring and summer to kind of step back and let others lead in that time when they were feeling creatively energized, that was super important for me personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I love that idea of thinking about it from that bigger perspective of like, we're, we're kind of like tagging each other in and out, you know, as like a bigger creative space. (laughs) And some of these people we don't even know. I mean, it's, but when I would look around and, and I was really conscious of like, not self judging because other people were doing something that at that moment I was like, no way. Like, Mm -hmm. and I would watch people doing it and be like, good for you. You know, like, I'm so glad that you can do it in a very genuine way. I mean, I'm not being sarcastic, you know, like I, I was really pleased that there were Mm -hmm. people who were able to do that like you in the beginning. And it's been like ebbs and flows. You can see the ups and downs if you're watching certain creatives online or whoever you follow that people have been able to kind of 
figure this out, you know, for themselves, but the self-knowledge is really important. And, and like you said, Sarah, you had kind of past experiences that prepared you for this. I feel like I've had past experience of just like sitting in discomfort. I mean, that's what anxiety is. And yeah. so there was just a lot of that that was very familiar to me. And, and there's been these great internet memes that it's like, oh, so do, do you want to feel like what anxiety feels like all the time? Welcome to a pandemic. I mean, like now you get to be in the mind of someone who has anxiety. I mean, like this is what we deal with all the time. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just constant. So for some, in some ways it was very like familiar to be mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, yes, I, I've had this. <laughs> I know what this <laughs> is, um, even as it was hard and, you know, challenging or whatever. But um, okay, so I want to talk a little bit. We kind of both mentioned this concept of like rapidly spinning up new products is there anything else you want to say about like timelines, logistics around what that looked like for you? I mean, you've mentioned kind of changing your website and things like that. I didn't even really, I mean, I built blend by design and I built a website for it, but I didn't really change my main site. I mean, I really was just like, if you hear that I can do this, great. I mean, I was kind of like really depending on word of mouth, but I know you were doing some other structural things around that too. I was doing a little bit around that. Um, but the other thing I would say that, that, I, I did it very intentionally early on is, you know, when I, when I saw that this was going to be an issue for the coral community, um, I, I put myself out there in ways that I wouldn't typically. Um, and this, I think, harkens back to stuff that we've talked about a long time ago, Katie, on the podcast about like, kind of coming into your own as a professional in, in certain spaces. Um, and, you know, the, the, the first kind of imposter syndrome or hesitancy that you feel in engaging in a new space, and then eventually you're able to be like, no, here I am and I can, I can do this. Um, I, I kind of pushed myself a little bit to kind of step into that space a little more assertively than I would otherwise. But I did that in a way that was like, how can I help you? Here's what I can do. You know, I'm happy to give a talk for your organization. I'm happy to come in and talk to you. I'm happy to give you some free consulting hours. You know, I just like made myself available to people so that when, you know, when an opportunity came up to talk about virtual events in a choral space, I was on that panel or, you know, I, I kind of produced my own little um, talk about that sort of thing too. So like there were ways in which I was making sure that I was, I was, I was kind of reaching out and making those connections to make, uh, make my skills known to people. And I like, I want to be available and helpful for folks. So, um, that was maybe the more intentional marketing quote unquote that I did. Um, I like you, Katie kind of fell completely off social media and I'm still kind of not really there. Um, yeah. I haven't seen a lot of value in it lately, frankly. It's <laughs> a, it's an intense place right reasons. now for a number it's of reasons. A, yeah. There's a lot going on in social. Right yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So um, I've kind of stepped away from that because I don't find it to be a healthy space for me to be in necessarily. Um, but I have been working hard to kind of develop those those networks and those relationships um, in ways that are, are helpful for people. Um, again, that sort of being useful uh, for me is a big motivator. Um, that's a big like kind of um, identity thing for me is is being useful and being helpful. So um that was kind of my focus early on and, and just sort of putting myself out there. I don't know. What about you? Any other kind of structural things? Well, one of the things I was thinking about before we, and we kind of talked about this before we hit record was there are things you do in your business where it's like, you already know the steps and you're just executing the steps and it doesn't take like a ton of creativity. And I feel like in that in some ways blend by design felt like that for me because I had the templates. Like I, I had the slide templates. I changed the colors. I mean, obviously I wrote new content, but
but this was an area that I felt super comfortable with. I've been speaking on this topic for years. I wrote a book on it already. I mean, like, so it was work, but it didn't feel, you know, super strenuous in terms of like creating something really, um, that had me like at the edge of my capacity. Um, and I think that there was something really comforting to that of like, I can create something that other people need that will be helpful to them that only I can create, you know, because I have the skills to kind of bring this together, but it also doesn't feel like I'm like putting myself at risk, you know, with my mental capacity or my emotional capacity or my physical capacity in order to do that, even though it was a, it was a push. I mean, for sure in May, but I think that that's different for me than like reconceptualizing a totally new thing. Um, and I think both of us were kind of on the side of like executing some things that we already had, we knew how to do. And it was like a very comfort area for us. And I feel like that's part of what set me up to be able to do the pivot on the keynoting side as well. That's probably the biggest pivot that I had is other than kind of creating this new product, it was still in the realm of what I already did or what I'd already written about and spoke about. But the pivoting to new keynote topics around resilience, self-care, um, some stuff around trauma-informed pedagogy, like these are not areas that I, I feel like I'm an expert in, um, but I felt like I could bring those things to an audience in a way that was allowing them to feel accepted of like where they are right now. Mm -hmm. And I had several events that were already booked, some of which got canceled, some of which got pivoted toward these virtual events. And... I, w I went to them and I'm like, what I originally planned to talk about is just no longer appropriate. So I had to like pitch new ideas. And when I pitched the resilience talk in particular, people were just like resonating with that. Like we really need to talk about that. And so I feel like part of it too was like, I just went with my gut, which was like, we don't want to talk about new technology tools right now. We need to talk about emotional resilience. We need to talk about trauma, like that this is and that this is hard and it's okay that it's hard and mm -hmm. self-care and like all these things. And so that's what I've been talking about with people like all summer long is, is those topics. So I feel like part of it too was like, and I've talked about radical self-trust before. There was definitely an element of that where I was mm -hmm. like, okay, so I know you hired me for one thing, but no, <laughs> like, right. I'm not doing that. That's not I'm appropriate. Not yeah, yeah. I'm not going to stand up in front of a crowd and be like, let's talk about high impact practices online. Like high impact practice right now is an ethic of care. Yeah. So let's talk about that. You know, like, yeah. so, and, and that again, really resonated with people and it's not like they were fighting with me, you know, that we shouldn't do this, but I had this kind of gut sense of, you know, where the direction I wanted to take that in. So I would also say my, decision several years back to diversify my business. Um, I have never been more grateful <laughs> that I did that <laughs> than in this period when it was like, I'm not relying on speaking engagements. Like I know several people who their speaking businesses just tanked yeah. because they didn't go virtual or if they did, people wanted to pay them less. I mean, it was like all this, you know, crazy stuff. And I had well prepared myself, you know, that I didn't really want to do speaking and really what this has given me is kind of a dry run for, I'm not sure I ever want to speak again. I mean, like maybe, but like going and traveling and doing all the travel I was doing in 2019. No, like I, mm -hmm. I just don't want to do that anymore. And I've talked about that for a long time that like, it's just not my favorite thing. Um, so that's been kind of an interesting thing for me to think about longer term. It's just, are there things that are being set up right now for a bigger pivot that will continue post this COVID period, whenever it decides to, to end. Um, okay. So you had also talked, Sarah, we've, we've both talked briefly about ethics of selling. 
during this period. Um, and I think we both had concerns about <laughs> feeling like we were taking advantage of the situation. Um, and yet like what we are doing has value for people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've talked a lot with, um, the business mastermind that I run soul hustle. I've talked a lot with those, those folks about value exchange and how oftentimes what we receive as business owners is money, mm -hmm. but what we're giving out for that value exchange is a lot of different things. And, and we are able to provide value and do that kind of value exchange. Um, tell me about what this was like for you, especially as you were realizing like, oh, there's a definite need for this. And I know you, Sarah, well enough to know that you probably underpriced this. Yeah, you're nodding. You're, you underpriced this service initially, and then maybe you, you repriced it as you went along. Like, talk about that whole process and, and how were you thinking about that? Yeah, I, I will say that um, that has that has been something that has weighed heavily on me. Um, you know, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, like it, it's really weird to be in a pandemic and to feel like you're thriving in a lot of ways. And so one of the things with kind of being in this values based business space um, and, and trying to be really conscious about my values and how they are expressed in the business that I do and the business that I operate um, one of those values was making sure that I'm providing services that are helpful for people and that um, give access in ways that, uh, you know, other companies or other larger, especially video production houses can't do um, because they have their staffs to, to, you know, pay for and equipment and all of those kinds of things. The, the way that sort of traditional video production works is very different than the business that I run, which is, um, you know, much, much smaller. And also, um, as you pointed out, Katie, for this particular area, very, very niche. Um, so yes, I started off the, this sort of service, um, you know, providing a few different, different kinds of services. So I had sort of the virtual ensemble production, which is those virtual choirs or virtual bands, those uh, virtual orchestra, you know, that kind of, uh, production, which, you know, I think everybody at the beginning was a little like, okay, we know this takes a lot of time, but we don't really know how much time. And so it would, that was a process of learning, I would say for anybody doing that work. Um, and so if there are those listening who are diving into that, know that it is a lot of time uh, that goes into those things. And that increases like exponentially as you add numbers of singers and instrumentalists and et cetera. So like putting together something with eight people is obviously much, much easier than putting something together with 200. So, um, you know, I think in some ways it was figuring out how do I price this so that the smaller ensembles aren't being sort of punished, <laughs> you know, in a different way uh, because of the way I set up my fee structure. So I was really thoughtful in the beginning about, you know, thinking about how do I set this up so that it's, it's really based on the size of the ensemble. It's based on sort of the, what's, what am I comfortable giving away in some ways? So, you know, I know that I have a, a very good ear. I know that I can blend things really nicely. I know I have very good video editing skills. So like what, what portions of that am I, am I kind of bringing to the table and offering freely as a, as a part of this, um, part of this package and what am I actually charging for it, right? So thinking through some of those, uh, those things. Um, and yes, I learned pretty quickly that like, yep, this does take longer, even though I am very, very good at this. <laughs> like, it does take a lot of time. And so um, as the pandemic has gone on, and as frankly, as demand has increased, I've had to price 
I've had to adjust my pricing um, because I know that like I can't continue to stay in this sort of low end. But it was really important to me and still is very important to me to um, price this in a way that acknowledges that we're in the middle of a pandemic and acknowledges that a lot of organizations are really, really strapped right now. And so I try to work with, with clients as much as possible to figure out that sweet spot of like, what am I willing to do um, a certain job for? And are there por portions that I can either walk you through or teach you how to do on your own that would minimize the cost on my end and, and those sorts of things. So it's it's been a lot of like conversations and kind of talking through talking through those things. Um, and I, you know, I also want to acknowledge I have exceptional privilege. Um, you know, I, I, my husband is gainfully employed, you know, we are doing okay in the middle of this, this time. And so I, I also felt like it's not appropriate for me to, to go out and gouge people and take advantage when I don't need that right now. Right. Like, so there was just a lot of internal kind of worrying about, about all of that, but also knowing that I deserve to get paid for the work I do. So it's just, it's super hard pricing in the middle of this time. Um, and so, you know, you got, you have to be guided, I think, by your, by your values and you have to be guided by what do you need right now? You know, if, if what you need is money to put thing, to put food on the table, then like, yes, you should definitely charge what you would typically charge for things. You know, if you feel like part of your, your business's calling or your own personal calling is to figure out how you can um, distribute wealth a little differently and how you can support um, those who are struggling right now, or whether that's on an organizational or an individual level, like, then you lean into that. Like, you've, you've got to make those decisions for yourself. And it's not easy, I will say. So yeah, that, that's been my, my pricing journey and, and thinking about the ethics of this. Katie, I'm really curious, you know, as you mentioned, you, you know, you developed this whole new this whole new program and, you know, pricing that at an institutional level and thinking about the stress of institutions right now and also of all your individual coaching clients. How did you navigate these questions of ethics? Yeah, this is a, I agree with you, Sarah, that it's hard. Like there's a lot of um, factors. And I would say I had a couple really good conversations with current clients that helped me to figure out pricing for Blend by Design. Um, it is priced individually, like at less than a third of what Sotal by Design is priced. And that was very intentional. Um, if you are an individual trying to purchase this, I really wanted to make it reasonable for you. It also has like over hundred videos. It also has like, you know, all the things. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a robust product. And so I was really um, aware of kind of what you're saying about there's value there, you know, so I, I priced it at 127, you know, for, for individuals. But then there are these packages that if you're buying it in bulk, you can buy it up to a $30,000 package for an unlimited uh, audience. If you have 3,000 faculty and you buy it at $30,000, it's actually really low. I mean, it, yeah. it drops the price like significantly. So I think that um, I had a client who came from a campus with 3,000 faculty members and she said, what's your unlimited price? And I was like, okay, I need to think about this. Like, I need to think about if I'm offering unlimited, I need to think about what does that do, you know, for my bottom line and all of that. And um, then I had another client who said a lot of institutions are receiving CARES funding and they do have funding for things like this that are directly related to pandemic response. And I was like, you're right. Like that, that is true. And I think that there is, this is the thing I've really had to be kind of, it's a tension and I've had to be kind of balancing it. There is money right now. 
people, there are certain people who are making money, like the Amazon folks of the world and the Facebook folks of the world. I mean, like money is flowing during this time, not to everyone, which is the problem. And there are definite kind of issues there, but it doesn't mean that everyone doesn't have any money. Right. And I think that this has been something I've really tried to be aware of with like my private clients as well. There's a lot of people in academia that still have their jobs, have not been furloughed, have not taken any kind of cut. And they're just having this discretionary income because they're not taking vacations. They're not spending money like they normally would. I mean, it's just, so there's this like weird pockets of things to kind of take into consideration during this time. And I think about even my own situation, you know, like I, you know, knock on wood have not been furloughed yet. I have not had to take any kind of cut. Um, but I was also a little concerned during this period of like, I just started this job. I have no idea what the stability is going to be. And so I, I was definitely thinking whatever we make this year, like we have not spent a penny of it. I mean, we're just like socking it away. We, we had money set aside to do like some landscaping in our yard, which we're doing, but like, this is a nest egg. I mean, it's like, we, we are not touching this because we don't know what's going to happen with my job in the next year or so. I am our primary breadwinner. My partner does not work outside our home. So it's just, you know, like there were a lot of factors that I really had to take into account from a, a personal perspective of just creating our own financial stability, especially in the beginning of the situation where it was very unclear, like what was happening. And then also trying to acknowledge like this really wide range of what is going on with other people. So um, I will say that the amount of my clients who are paying for my services through institutional funds has gone up. Mm. And that is true of coaching, coach training. Um, some of the group coaching actually also falls into that mm. and blend by design. I mean, a yeah. lot of this is institutionally being purchased and that feels less difficult for me. Yeah. Like when it's an institution and, they're, and I'm providing value to like their entire faculty, that's... Yeah you know, that to me feels better than like what you're, what you're calling like gouging individuals. Like I, right. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, but I will say I've also had several people comment that like, they think my coaching pricing for one-on-one -on -one is too low. Mm -hmm. So I'll probably be raising the pricing for that in 2021, which feels yeah. again, a little weird, but it's like, you know, we run businesses and, yeah. and if businesses are not making revenue, then what are you doing? Like that's, right. you have to kind of have a mindset around that. So I'm, I'm like, like you said, really checking in with myself, checking in with my values, but also very much acknowledging the realities of higher ed is unstable right now. And mm -hmm. because I work in higher ed as my full-time job, I mean, I do have to think about that. And so mm -hmm. that's been very much on our minds this year for my partner and I, as we've, we've been thinking about the business and how to kind of strategically build it out. And I'm not planning on leaving my job anytime soon, but I don't know that something else could that could happen that's out of my control, that would mean that job is no longer available to me. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> it's very complicated. It's hard to be a person normally, and it's really hard to be a person in a pandemic. And then you yeah. have business owner on top and it just, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I mean, I would also just say for anyone listening to this, who's like worried about like, selfishness or, you know, these other kinds of things. I mean, I think that this is very much on all of our minds of just trying to yeah. make sure, you know, that we're doing this in a way that is not harmful to other mm -hmm. people. And mm -hmm. at the same time, 
part of why I have this business is so that I can have stability. I mean, like that is a big reason why we have developed it and grown it and we continue to grow it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I think that's okay. I mean, I, I feel like that's something that is part of my value system (laughs) is providing for myself and for my partner and making sure that we are ready for whatever is coming, you know, in the future. And so, um, yeah, but, but it's, it's complicated. And I, so this kind of gets me into the next, uh, question or thing that we wanted to talk about Sarah, which is this idea of kind of our emotional capacity during this time and the things that we're thinking about related to change evolution, self-care, <laughs> like how we're kind of, Oh, just those little things. <laughs> well, and I, I guess the other thing that I'd like to layer in here, which we haven't really talked about explicitly is during this whole period of time, we have the pandemic, but we also have Black Lives Matter. We have these like massive protests that are happening. You were directly affected by this in your city. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, we've talked about this. I mean, how are we also dealing with some of these ethical issues as right. business owners? Because it's, it's very much impacting kind of how we interact with clients and things like that. So um, talk a little bit about, I guess at that broad category, we're calling it kind of emotional capacity, but I feel like there's a lot that's packed into that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So many layers, so many layers. Um, Oh, where to even begin there? Yeah. Um, so for those listeners who don't know, I live in the Twin Cities area, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul area. And, um, so when George Floyd was murdered in, uh, late May, things here were, I, I mean, I've never, I've never seen the city like this. Um, you know, there were several nights in a row where I watched my city burn on TV. I mean, it was, it was really hard. Um, it was also gut-wrenching to see another, 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 and we continue to see this, another Black person who, you know, should be alive today, uh, not because of systemic racism and, you know, all of these larger, you know, big giant institutional issues that we just continue to refuse to really dig in and deal with. And I personally, as a white woman, feel very, very uh, convicted about this. You know, I have been a part of the system for, for too long. And, um, you know, I, I am doing learning now that I should have done so many years ago. Uh, and so it's, that has been a whole um, job in and of itself in some ways. And, and it's work that needs to be done and it's work that's hard and it's emo- emotionally laborious, but it's also essential. I, I, you know, the more I read and the more I expose myself to these ideas, the more convinced I am, like, we're doomed if we can't figure out how to not, you know, (laughs) not kill people based on the color of their skin, right? Minimally, minimally. Uh, So I could go off on a whole tangent (laughs) about all of that and how um, my perspectives on, on those issues have, have shifted significantly. Um, And, you know, it's, it is just a very, a very difficult time for all of us as we grapple with a lot of these issues. And, um, you know, I, I think in terms of how that intersects with my business, I've been doing a lot of thinking and soul searching about, okay, how do I as a white privileged business owner leverage that power in the circles that I work in um, to make sure that these conversations continue to happen and make sure that the decisions that clients that I'm working with, um, you know, make sure that those are on the side of anti-racism racism rather than racism. Uh, you know, how do I, kind of move and leverage uh, the the spaces that I'm in um, toward that that racial justice. And those aren't easy questions. Um, and I think sometimes it can feel so big and overwhelming that you just don't even know where to start. But, um, 
you know, for me, it's been an active practice. You know, Katie, you talk about your, your yoga, um, yoga, yoga teacher certification things and, and some of that. And I, I think that, that idea of practice that, that yoga brings to us, um, is, is really true for some of this work too, that it is a practice and you're going to screw up a lot <laughs> on the way towards, uh, progress, but you've got to be willing to kind of to, to kind of step in and, and, um, take on those things. And so I've, I have found in my business, like smaller ways to do that. And it is a, a thing that is heavy on my heart and is something that I am grappling with on sort of a larger business, um, model kind of perspective. And, um, I went to early on in, in all of these conversations, I went to a, um, a town hall for small businesses, um, led by a great group of, um, black and actually it's a very diverse group. There were, there were people of color and, and white people and, you know, kind of all walks of life on this panel talking about how do you build a business that is anti-racist and they had some really great action steps. And so I'm kind of slowly, more slowly than I would like to be, but I am slowly working through some of those things to think about how do I infuse this into my business better? Because I, I do feel called to do that. And so um, for me, that has been a lot of emotional labor of the doing work on the business. You know, we talk about that a lot, Katie, on the podcast is like, you're doing the work of the business. And then sometimes you need to work on the business. And right now I feel like the work on my business is really in that area of, of um, anti-racism and, and racial justice and, and those sorts of things. So I am late to the party, but uh, I, I am also, you know, asking clients and listeners and people, you know, in, in public spaces to keep holding, holding us accountable because that is, that is essential for progress. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I need that, that pressure too. So yeah, I would say emotionally that has been a, a very significant part of the last, you know, six months. Um, and, and also just in general, like being a person who is, you know, contemplating how do I move my fertility journey forward, like in the middle of a pandemic, like that's not nothing either. <laughs> so, you know, these are, these are all big, heavy issues. You know, I, I would, I would say, I know a lot of parents are dealing with obviously all of the stress of sending kids to school or not sending kids to school and figuring out how to work when you have your kids at home. And just, there's just so much in the world right now that it can get really, really heavy. And so in terms of self-care, there are a couple of action steps that I have taken <laughs> to make sure that I don't uh, completely implode. Uh, so, you know, one of those, one of the kind of silver linings in, in a way has been uh, having my husband at home as well. We've been able to take our dogs for walks in the middle of the day, which has just been lovely. Like it's been great to be able to kind of check out for a little bit in the middle of the day, go for a walk, kind of process things with one another where typically we wouldn't see each other for a solid eight to 10 hours a day, depending on the day. Um, so that has been really lovely, uh, you know, figuring out ways to fit in workouts in ways that make sense for my schedule. That has also been great. So, you know, I think there, there have been ways that um, the pandemic has actually increased flexibility for those kinds of things for, especially for those who are working from home uh, as a new thing, um, you know, and, and so I think getting creative around how do you build your life now that you don't have to go to a job between eight and five every day, um, or, you know, maybe don't have a spouse who has to do that or, or whatever like that flexibility is is freeing and also complicating <laughs> for, for many reasons but those have been a couple of, of the kind of main things that I've been focusing on is is you know checking in um, especially with my spouse but also with with friends um, you know in this time of distance it's also really important to check in with your people and so 
um, those things and then making sure I'm getting that, that ever important workout in because who, if I don't, I feel it. <laughs> Katie, I know you were like me that way. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's very true. And I will, I will freely admit that I fell off my yoga wagon in August and I, I really did feel it. Um, and so I'm back and it's feeling really good. I, I'm really glad you brought up this concept of practice because I, and I'll link to this in the show notes, I recorded a podcast episode about the difference that I see between what I call projects and practices. And the social media conversation or the not social media, the social justice conversation for me has really been around this concept of practice. Like I had treated that as a project and really, I think it is a life practice and there's a lot of education to do. It's very similar to kind of what you're describing, Sarah. I've been doing that um, as well. And also I feel like I've been in some really interesting spaces where I've had to lead very explicit conversations around social justice. So with my team at work, with um, the the slow hustle participants as we're thinking about how they're applying you know business practices values led business practices to their own things that they're growing, and then also in my coach training, I mean we had a really powerful conversation to kind of kick off what became a series of conversations about social justice and how it relates to uh, coaching. So that was interesting to kind of find myself in this space where. I wasn't just participating in conversations, but leading them and mm. definitely not always feeling like I was the person who should be doing that. Um, I, and it was like, I guess I was kind of the person who should be doing it. I mean, it was just kind of yeah. like, okay, let's, let's kind of feel this out. Um, I, it took me back to my grad school days, which was my <laughs> women and gender studies uh, disciplinary work. And definitely pulled out, you know, text theories, things that I knew, you know, from that time. Um, but this is a definitely, it's a challenging space to navigate because as someone who, you know, as a white woman, it's like, there's things I can do and there's things that are just not my place to do. And we need to create space and room for other people. Um, so that just kind of thinking about strategies for how to do that has been an important part of these last several months for me. Um, similar to you, I have really been focusing on various self-care strategies that tend to like work for a little while and then they stop. And so then I have to like find other things. And I think that's part of pandemic life is like, you have to keep kind of experimenting with what works. And um, yoga has definitely been a big part of that. And like reading has been a big part. Like I have just like embraced introversion. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I'm doing all the introverted things. Um, and luckily for me, my partner is also an introvert. So we are very comfortable like being home watching, you know, movies and TV together, reading, you know, I'm sleeping more, you know, like there's, there's just a lot of things. And the other piece I would say um, that I was actually talking about with a couple of my clients the other day is I've just kind of decided that like, I'm not willing to do anything physically difficult. Mm. Like that, that to me right now does not feel good. Mm -hmm. So like I, I had a running practice and then it like, like immediately, I mean, it was like pandemic hit and it was like, boom, not doing that anymore. I mean, it was yeah. like my body just said, no, like we are not doing anything that does not feel easy and good. So yoga has been like, obviously stepping into that space in a big way because, um, I feel like I'm using so much of my willpower to just function, you know, on a day to day basis that it's like anything extra is not really in the cards right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm accepting of that. I'm just kind of, observing it and letting it be <laughs> not, not kind of like trying to push myself beyond a capacity, um, that physically is not feeling good. So mm -hmm. 
So that's been a big part of my self-care is like giving myself that permission to just like not push it. Um, And for a long time, I think people who've listened to this show for a while know, I mean, I'm a hustler, you know, like I, there are definitely times when I will push, push, push. And this has not been one of those times, this, Mm -hmm. this whole season, um, I've been really, like I said earlier, like powering down and and just being really aware and conscious of what Mm -hmm. that looks like. So yeah, the self-care pieces, um, it's important. And I think the other piece that's tied to that and I'll kind of shift us into this next, um, topic is really supporting our clients through Mm -hmm. this as well. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who coaches people who are also, we're all in the pandemic together, it's kind of, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's very triggering because people talk about the pandemic and like typically when people are talking about difficult things and coaching situations, you can't identify with yeah. what they're talking about. And so you have this level of like removed objectivity and you can kind of facilitate a conversation with them that brings them to clarity around that issue and it's really hard actually to do that around some of this pandemic stuff because you're, you're feeling it. And as soon as they talk about it, you're like, Oh my God, I know exactly this problem and I haven't figured it out yet. So how am I supposed to help you figure it out? I mean, it's like, so that has been really kind of an interesting space to think about and navigate is how do you provide support, you know, and not everything is pandemic related in terms of explicit topics that my clients bring, but there's definitely been a lot of it. So I'm curious, Sarah, if you have ways that you're supporting your clients through stress, you know, helping them to be resilient during this period, you had talked about kind of giving them that vision of like the future and Mm -hmm. they're going to come out on the other side, you know, what does that look like for you and how you're serving your clients? Yeah, I think for me, the, there are a couple of things. The first is just extending grace, right? Like acknowledging that, you know, from day to day, we're all doing some version of not great. <laughs> uh, this is not an ideal time for anybody, uh, and so just just sort of extending that that patience and that grace as much as as much as possible. Um, you know, I think for especially for choral organizations right now, there was there was a period early on where there was a lot of grief, like deep grief, about losing this thing that so many people identify with and identify as choral musicians, um, and this fear that not only is this pandemic taking this away from us for now, but because we don't know when we can come back and we don't know what the other side of this looks like, like there's a fear that it's gonna be just gone for, for a, lot of, a lot of people. And I find this a lot with smaller organizations, especially that you know, they don't have big budgets. They don't have a way to kind of float through this time. They, have, they rely on you know, ticket revenue and, and other kinds of things. And so there's a lot of fear that's brought into these conversations and a lot of uncertainty about like, but how do I make this work in a virtual space? I've never worked in a virtual space before. I just learned how Zoom works. Like, you know, there's, there's all of this layer of trying to, you know, drinking through the fire hose of trying to figure out how to be in a virtual space. And so a lot of um, my strategy there is, uh, you know, not only providing some kind of base level kind of comfort that like, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. You know, I'm here with you through this, but also um, providing some sort of some creative ideas about how to use it. Um, some of the more invigorating conversations I've had with clients have been when when they come to me and they're like, okay, but here's kind of what we want to do, but I, does that work? I don't know. And then I get to kind of ideate for a while and throw different ideas against the wall. And by the end of those conversations, most of the time, my clients leave feeling like 
okay, there's possibility here, right? There's opportunity here that I didn't see before, but you've kind of like showed me some different ideas. And like, though I'm probably not going to take half of these ideas, I have an idea now of how that might, uh, you know, how that might look in our own organization or our own business. And so I, I think for me, it's been a combination of holding space for whatever is right now and, and for that grief and that fear and that anxiety about, about what the world looks like right now. And also saying it's, you know, it's not only is it going to be okay down the road, <laughs> but also saying it can be okay in the meantime and can actually build you towards better things when we are about able to kind of gather again. Um, this this kind of moving to virtual spaces, I think, was always gonna happen in a lot of um, a lot of fields, choral music included in that. I think the pandemic for uh, better and I would say probably in general mostly worse but has has really um, highlighted a lot of areas where movement was going to happen or change was going to happen anyway and it just has exacerbated that in so many ways and I think choral music is is an example of that um, where they've needed to move into virtual spaces and that's kind of been slowly yeah yeah I guess we'll get there eventually and now it's necessary and so people are learning very quickly and adapting very quickly and I think we'll take that adaptation back into the concert halls and back into business as usual when that uh, is a thing we can return to. And so the more I can kind of help people see through that, through that kind of murky tunnel, um, the better. And that's, that's where I'm, you know, getting a lot of my joy too, in, in that sort of help, like helping and being useful, um, providing those ideas and that sort of thing. So, um, but Katie, I'm super, I'm super curious. Can you talk a little bit more about like, as a coach, how, how do you navigate that, that feeling of like, oh, they're talking about something I, I know deeply in my soul right now because I am also experiencing it. Um, and how do, you, how do you kind of figure out how to guide somebody through that when you're also kind of in the woods? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's kind of two sides to that coin. I mean, on the one hand, I'm like, wow, I'm not, I'm not prepared <laughs> to help you. And on the other side, it's like, I'm uniquely prepared to help you because I know exactly what you're feeling. And yeah. so I, I, it's easier for me to kind of walk in your shoes, you know, because I have a sense of what this is. And a lot of my clients are high-performing academic women, mid-career to senior career. And the challenge, I think, for them is they are not used to low productivity, basically like repeated crashes. Um, this and, and, and they're kind of asking, like, am I ever going to get back to normal? Like, there's this like fear that like they can't return to pre-COVID mm -hmm. levels of productivity. And, and when you're a high kind of performing person, there's a lot of your identity that's wrapped up in that, your ability to have discipline, your ability. So all of that, I'm like, 100% understand. I mean, because yep. this is, and, and early on, I just like, in a way that I probably never have in my entire life, I gave myself so much permission to just like expand the boundaries of what I thought was appropriate <laughs> of like, <laughs> you know, levels of work, to-do lists, mm -hmm. all of that. And I just kind of threw it all at the window and was like, yeah. this is a, this is a situation. And, and I do think that's one of my superpowers is like, I can kind of process something relatively quickly, understand what's happening and react to it. So if there were people who were kind of going through these like levels of grief, it's like, I got to acceptance very quickly where I was like, okay, we're working from home and this creates all these kinds of new things to think about. And like, I mean, I was just like processing a lot of that really quickly. So I think that it doesn't mean I'm like on the other side, but I do think it allows me to kind of say, you will get to a place where you are accepting this a little bit more. And the more forgiveness you can give to yourself right now, the easier this is going to go. And it's kind of like riding the waves of anxiety too. It's like, you just have to let it crash over you a little bit and just 
be in that moment. So I've talked with a lot of my clients about just this concept of sitting in discomfort, sitting in impatience. And these were topics that came up pre-COVID as well. A lot of people who are in transition, it just feels uncomfortable. I mean, it just doesn't feel, you don't feel settled. You don't feel like you're yourself. I mean, like there's just a lot of um, challenges that come along with that. So I've been able to really lean back into a lot of that. Um, but I mean, I will admit there are times when I feel like I am not bringing my best self um, <laughs> as a coach. I mean, it's, it, and it's not something that I feel like is entirely in my control. Um, yeah. I'm dealing with my own kind of mental and emotional health issues during right. this period. And I'm trying to do the best I can, you know, to be um, healthy and to kind of take care of myself, you know, during this period. And, and actually that's taking a lot of my time. It's taking yeah. more time than I've ever had to give it in the past. Um, and that's okay. I mean, I, I, so that part of that acceptance for myself I think is allowing me to offer permission to my clients. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to share about that, you know, through my podcast, through my blog, through social media, so that people are seeing like this, you know, I am someone who in the past has been very openly high-performing and, and really productive, you know, in ways that people were like, how are you doing this? Like, and I was like, I don't know, it just happens. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's part of my identity. It's part of who I am. And I have not been that during this period. I mean, in pockets, but definitely not consistently. But I'm also learning a lot of really cool things through that process. So that openness, I think, is a big part of it. And coaching is always about curiosity and non-judgment. And I'm really just like bringing that as much as I can to say, like, we need to keep these these feelings of curiosity and non-judgment about what we're experiencing right now and and just giving ourselves permission to like have that. I mean, like last weekend, I had a day where I was like, I can't really function today. Like I'm, I'm going to read on the couch all yep. day long and I'm not yep. really going to talk to anyone. And I'm <laughs> just going to like, like really turn inward and allow this to kind of crash over me. And then the next day I was a lot better. And, you know, so it's like, we are all having these like crazy ups and downs. I think the challenge for some people, and I, I would put myself into those categories. I'm just not used to experiencing that in the, at the mm -hmm. level that I am right now. And so I've had to be really um, attentive to my own, uh, care to make sure that I can still show up yeah. for clients. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You say, you kind of mentioned at the beginning that people are these high, high productive achievers, uh, high, I know nothing about that. <laughs> Raise his hand. <laughs> uh, um, who, you know, are now kind of confronted with this period where you just, you don't feel like yourself because you're not as productive as you're used to being and you're not getting things done and you're not checking things off your list and you just feel awful. And you said that, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that was me for the last several years of my life." So I know, you know, I know this feeling, and it's terrible. I mean, it is the worst feeling because you you sort of almost lose a little bit of your identity, and you feel like, "Am I ever going to come back to this level that I was at before that I that I valued?" And and then you start questioning, like, "Why did I value that over?" my own sort of wellness and it raises all it's, these it's, questions. It's so, hard. <laughs> it's so hard. And I, so I, I hear that. I hear it. I hear it so much. And I have been there and it is hard and there's not a whole lot anybody can say to make it better other than like keep putting one foot in front of the other. And you know, you will get through it. It's not going to be fun. It's, it's not going to feel amazing, but I, you, you raise a great point, Katie, like you're going to learn a lot in the way, in the process too. And you're going to learn a lot that will help you 
the next time around because it'll right. come back. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, it all comes back. <laughs> it's causing, I think for a lot of people, I mean, what I'm seeing in my coaching and I think it's just happening more broadly is a real reexamination of people's values. Yeah. Agreed. You know, everybody's coming back to kind of rock bottom of like, what do I actually care about? What do I yeah. prioritize? What do I believe? You know, what are, what are my systems of beliefs around this situation? And that's a good thing. I, you Mm -hmm. know, like I, I think that there's some real positives there in terms of helping people to make like pretty big life decisions about like, Oh, this is not what I want to be spending my time on. Or people are making relationship changes. Like there's all kinds of things that are happening during this period. And I think that that is, you know, I I've thought about even kind of politically, I mean, Sarah, you and I think pretty similarly (laughs) politically. And, and I think we have some hopes for what this fall will bring in terms of the election. Um, but I have had moments where I've like thought I am grateful that we've gone through this period politically because it has helped people to understand what they care about. And same with the social justice stuff. I mean, it's like, it has raised to the surface things that people needed to be thinking about and questioning and, and, you know, exploring and, that's good. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it feel good all the time, but it doesn't mean that at the base of it, it's not like a very powerful, important thing for people to do. Mm -hmm. So that's the part that like, it feels like a huge privilege to be able to like witness that with people, walk alongside them, help them, Mm -hmm. you know, hold the space for them to do that. Cause that's really a lot of the hard work that's happening right now in coaching is that people are just reckoning. Like there's just a lot of reckoning with, I thought this was the direction for me and now it's very clear it's not. And Mm -hmm what do I do? And we're in the middle of a pandemic and what does that mean? And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of big, heavy questions and mm-hmm. I'm a fan of those. <laughs> I actually think they're important. So yeah. Yeah. Important. Yeah. albeit not easy ever, yeah. ever easy, but yeah. So Sarah, we had a final topic. Yeah. I feel like I, it's kind of making me laugh just to even think about it, which is planning for the future. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. Cute. <laughs> So, um, but this was kind of what we thought if we were going to record like a full season, we're like, oh, we should end on planning for the future. Because maybe by the time we record it, we're actually going to know what the future is going to hold. But let me kind of start by saying, you know, kind of repeat what I said in the beginning, which is, you know, we're definitely not ending make your way, but we do want to acknowledge that this has just not been something we've been able to fit in this year. Like they're between our businesses and everything else that's been going on. And, and actually we're really sad about that. Like that's, (laughs) that's been hard to not have as consistent of conversations we know there's an audience that's waiting, you know, to, to have more content on this show. Um, and I, I don't anticipate, you know, thinking about the future that we're going to be able to record before the end of the calendar year, given everything yeah. that's going on, especially with your fully booked calendar, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just want to put that out there and, and, you know, say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. And like, it is what it is. Right. <laughs> and there's not really anything we could have done. Yeah. Um, but I, I am so appreciative of the audience that we have. And um, I am kind of like genuinely missing being able to put out this content. So, but when you think about the future, Sarah, what does that hold for you? I mean, even if it's like next week, I mean, maybe that's <laughs> as far as you can look, but what, what are you thinking? I mean, can you think into 2021? I mean, like, are you even in that headspace? I... I am thinking into 2021 very cautiously uh, and mostly sort of from this base assumption that, that this pandemic is not going away anytime soon uh, in, in, and that it will be a constant state of flux and, you know, differences in 
levels of shutdown and behaviors and, you know, mask wearing and all, all of those kinds of things. Like it's just all going to be very, very in flux for a long time. Um, and so for me, the planning for the future is again, all about flexibility, flexibility and adaptability. Um, and continuing to try to be helpful in the ways that I can um, for the, the clients that I have and, and those who will, you know, find me between when this airs and <laughs> the future, whatever the future is. Um, so, you know, I think from a business perspective, I'm really focused on, you know, getting through the fall. Um, there's a lot, I have a lot of exciting projects that I'm very excited about doing and being a part of. Um, but there is just a lot of work between now and the holiday season. Uh, so I'm producing several, you know, different virtual events and helping run some online conferences and, you know, just a variety of work, which is great and very life-giving to me, but it's a lot. And so I'm really focused on getting to, frankly, to the holiday. <laughs> Uh, to the holiday season. Um, and I actually had the thought the other day, Katie, you'll probably, you'll probably laugh at this. I had the thought the other day because anxiety brain sometimes does this, uh, where it's like, well, but after the holiday season, you don't have anything lined up. So you're just going to like fall off the cliff. There's just nothing there. And I was like, wow, okay. That's totally unhelpful thinking. <laughs> like things I don't have to plan for six months from now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so anyway, I just have to like remember to roll with the, the waves as they come uh, and, and the punches and all of that. Um, so for me, planning is, is frankly in the spot that I always kind of love it and leave it which is like eh, three to maybe six months is about all I got in the, in the tank and then we'll reevaluate from there because that's mm -hmm. how I roll mm -hmm. I mean I can really you, I can identify with this like post-December because I feel like this happens every year it's such a sure um construction I mean it's it's like time is a, is a social construction but this idea of like oh my revenue for the tax year hit this number and now I'm like starting from zero and it's like this freak out moment of like, how will I ever get to what I ended the last year on? And right. every year we've grown. And so it's like, it just keeps upping the yeah. ante of like what we have right. to do. Um, so yeah, I do have that moment of like, oh my God, we're back to zero and I have to like, you know, have this uh, hustle to, to bring in the revenue. Um, so I have a couple of things that I feel relatively, I mean, I'm so hesitant to be like, these things feel stable to me. <laughs> uh, like it's like knock on wood. Um, but I have always been planning since like almost a year ago to accredit my coach training in spring of 2021. And that has to do with the timing of when I've run out like a full cycle of the courses and I have a graduating class and I have the documentation I need to kind of um, apply for this thing to happen. And so that's something that I'm kind of looking forward to because I do feel like that allows me to have a little bit more legitimacy with the coach training and to market it in a slightly different way. I get on an official list of coach trainings that are accredited. Like there's just certain things along those lines that I think will be helpful. Um, I will also say that this is this, this other piece of it feels very um, kind of less stable to me, which is my partner and I literally last night just had a conversation of, do we need to add another round of coach training during the calendar year? because right now I onboard people in January and June and that's been filling and I have a wait list for this January and just trying to time the offerings for this because it's basically a curriculum of like multiple courses and I need to make sure that whenever you come in, you have the next course that you need like and that, that it's being offered appropriately. Um, 
but I also want to keep the cohorts appropriately sized. And so it's, I feel this pressure, um, which, you know, I don't know how logical it is or whatever, but like there are not coach trainings for higher ed other than this one. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't, I don't want anyone to be like not able to get in, I guess is like my, my concern. And if you want to do this and you know that the timing is right for you, I don't want to be like, well, it's full, wait six months. Like I, that just doesn't feel good to me. So I'm, I'm been trying to kind of think about that. And as the person who runs all the trainings right now, like that's just raising some questions for me about what 2021 could bring. Um, if we mm-hmm. decide to go in that direction and just my time and, and what basically needs to be cut so that I can have time to do that. And, and, that may mean like shuffling some things around, but of course I'm also building new things. And I mean, you wouldn't be you if you weren't, I wouldn't be me if I wasn't. So, I mean, that's the challenge. And, and that's the conversation my partner and I are having is like, if I build something around project management, which I really want to do in 2021, then how does that fit in with all this other stuff? And, and I had thought about doing something around project management that would be kind of facilitated live synchronously. And I'm just not sure I can. Um, I think I might have to be more of a, um, asynchronous, you know, kind of course engagement. And then maybe there's like a community within my prolific online community where you can kind of join people and talk about project management or something. And, and that's kind of sad to me because I would really like to be facilitating some of this stuff. And it's like, I, I just literally do not have the time. Um, but I know that this is a need and I have clients who have specifically said, I don't know how to do project management. So I think that, um, yeah, those are the couple of things that I feel like are kind of on my horizon. Um, and then the other piece I would say too, because I think people are kind of curious about this whole yoga teacher training thing. Like I don't anticipate teaching yoga consistently. I mean, like that's not really why I did that training. I really wanted to kind of formalize my own education around yoga and it's really served me well in that capacity. But I could potentially see doing some yoga infused into my coaching in different ways. And so that's something I've been thinking about during this period. And I have no idea what that will look like in 2021 much further out, I do see the potential of doing some like in-person retreats where I could bring coaching, bring yoga, bring some other kinds of things to that environment. Um, But that's like way down the line. And especially with COVID, you know, it's like, it's so questionable when Mm -hmm. it will be safe to come together in these, these physical spaces together. And so it's like, I don't even need to think about that right now. Like I can't even like plan because right. it's so unknown. Um, right. It's like not even worth like looking at retreat spaces. I mean, it's like, who knows what the situation right. is with that. Um, so I think that that's another thing that's kind of in the back of my mind as well, yeah. as I think about business growth. And, but I, like you, Sarah, it's like, I don't want to like nail too many things down mm-hmm. because it's, it makes it harder to be yeah. nimble and responsive and, I definitely feel the need to continue like some of the things I've already been doing um, that I know are working well, but then there's like, you have to have margin. Like you have to create the margin for whatever you need to pivot towards next. And so that's something that's really on my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of my biggest uh, concerns about the fall is because I'm going to be at capacity. Like there's not much space for, you know, for adjusting or for planning or for, you know, taking on anything that isn't already on my calendar. And so I, I, I tried for a long time to be really conscious about like, let's carve out like this tiny amount of space. Um, and we'll see, we'll see if I'm able to hold that. But, uh, 
you know, a full calendar is not just a full client calendar. It is also a full, like thinking about business and thinking mm -hmm. about what do I want this to look like after December? And, mm -hmm. you know, how do I want all of this anti-racism and, and racial justice work to fit into my business, right? Like that is part of the work too. And so, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to be in that space right now where you're just like, how is this all gonna, don't know, don't know, but you know, a day at a time, I guess that's, I keep coming back to that day at yeah. a time. Yeah. I think that that's what we all keep coming back to. I mean, that's yep. literally, even though time has no meaning. <laughs> uh. yeah, that's been a fun part of this whole period. <laughs> what day, what month, what year? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Things are passing. I mean, it has been so interesting because I think about how like January of this year felt so long to me because I was mm -hmm. not working and I was moving and there were all these things. And then it was like once February hit, it's just been a blur. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you've had any month this year that's been like, not just speeding, speeding, speeding by. And summer was literally like the snap of the fingers. I mean, yeah. and it was over. Um, yeah. and now we're in the, you know, shifting into the fall. And I think the fall is going to be the same. I, I just yeah. think it's going to continue to speed by. So in some ways it's like 2020 has been the weirdest year for so many of us. And I also feel like it's just speeding by in, in the most odd way, mm -hmm. um, in part because of all this weirdness. And it's probably a coping strategy that we're like filtering out all these things that make it feel like it's going so much faster, but yeah. Yeah. Very no, strange. It's, it's a thing. It's very strange. That, that is 2020. Very strange. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much one of, one of the many themes for the year. Oh, oh, well, Sarah, it's, I mean, I wish we could just go on and on, but I we can't, too, this, but, but we this can't. is our, this is our update, our dear yeah. listeners. And again, we're so sorry, both for ourselves and for you that we can't yeah. <laughs> keep we can, recording. We can't do this for the, the rest of for the, the fall, foreseeable but... future. Yeah, this is, this is, and, and I will tell you too, um, for our listeners that we've come up with like three different season ideas <laughs> and, and we like mocked it out and we knew what episodes would be about. And then we like shifted it to something else. And then we shifted it again. I mean, we've been really trying actually to do this mm -hmm. and stuff just keeps coming up. I mean, it's yep. like between, I mean, just all the things that you can con consider, like we would put a recording date on the calendar and then we'd have to move it. I mean, it was just, yeah, we, we've just... really tried to do it and it hasn't been possible. So we're kind of calling it for the year yep. and just saying, you know, let's just give ourselves that permission to, to step away from this for a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. But I think in 2021, this is something I'm really hopeful that we can get back to and, and really be providing more content because I just enjoy it so much. And it's helpful, yeah. I think, for my business to be able to talk through some of these things on a consistent basis. So here's to 2021 and getting yeah. back to more seasons of Make Your Way. I agree wholeheartedly with with everything you said. And listeners, in the meantime, if you know if you have questions or want to pick our brains, you can always reach out to us on uh, social media, or email, or you know any of the other ways that we digitally communicate these days. So you know, always happy to to hear from folks. And um, we you know wish all of the best for you and all of your loved ones in this time because it is very hard for, uh, for so many. And, um, we're just wishing you all well and, um, you know, rejuvenative thoughts and healthy thoughts and all of that. Cause yep, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> that, was, yes. that was the most articulate send off I've ever done, Katie. <laughs> 
if you know it's genuine i mean we really are wishing yeah. the best for everyone i will link to everything we talked about in the show notes um if there's anything that people want to follow up on and i we would love to hear from you if there's ideas you have for seasons you know if you're like oh please talk about this or please you know please pick yeah. this topic um let us know because we we do like to draw from things that we know listeners want to hear about um and thank you for sticking around i mean yeah. we we know that we've been kind of absent this year um on this platform and um not for lack of trying, but still, <laughs> still absent. Um, yeah. And it's just fun, fun to be back yeah. behind the microphone. And um, I hope we can do more of it in 2021. Me too. So, until then, Sarah Langworthy, so good to talk to you. So good to talk to you too, Katie. And uh, we should have an off, off recording uh, calendar date sometime between now and 2021, or I'm going to be rolling happy about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. Same here. All right. I'll talk with you again soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Make Your Way. Show notes and a transcript for this episode can be found at drkatylinder.com backslash MYW. If you found this episode helpful, please consider rating or reviewing the show in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.